0: To a father growing old, nothing is dearer than a daughter. Euripides. And welcome to yet another episode of Felonious Pundits. I am giddy this week. I am also Kentad Spinsgard. And please give a hearty hello to my friend, Mr. A.J. Mass. How are you?
1: Always better to be giddy than Gideon. <laughs>
0: oh, yes. Yes, indeedy. Yes, indeedy-en. All right. That doesn't make sense. Anyway, <laughs> guess what, guys? I am feeling super, and it's probably thanks to all of your lovely emails and tweets that have been coming in about the podcast. We appreciate that so much, and yes, we're going to keep going on, folks.
1: I mean, Uh, four four, four down, this is number five, and 318
0: to go. Yeah, just a few more, just a, a a drop kick in a bucket. I don't know, AJ, I'm still giddy. (laughs) <laughs> anyway what the heck is this this is a podcast about the television program criminal minds every week we recap and take an in-depth look at an episode of the show aj will bring you a re-watch perspective of someone who's a longtime fan and i'll be bringing along the first watch perspective from someone who's never seen the show before hopefully uh you'll Just enjoy our conversation, our water cooler type conversation about the show. That's what we're here for. So uh, we're going to get right into this week's episode, AJ, which is Season 1, Episode 5, Criminal Minds. It's called Broken Mirror. This episode originally aired on October 17th, 2005. It was written, once again, we got series creator Jeff Davis back, so he wrote this episode. So I had high expectations. And uh, it was directed by a fellow named Guy Norman B., another three-word director name, yeah, another three-name.
1: I wonder if he's uh, related to the Sloop John B.
0: <laughs> Somebody should write a song about Guy Norman B. <laughs> anyway, let's get into the episode, folks. We start off this episode this week uh what appears to be a frat party looks like a rager of some kind, and a young couple is coming out of it. They're having a semi a friendly argument about whether the man is too drunk to actually be driving the car. And at just as I'm about to congratulate the woman on sticking to her guns, she relents to her his charms and hands him over the keys.
1: Well, in fairness, I mean she Got a good breathalyzer test when he smooches on her. So I guess yeah, she can go, she, 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 oh, hey, yeah, all right. I, I'm not drunk just from a contact. You're OK. <laughs> uh,
0: we cut to them driving in a car and they're kind of making cutie cutie with each other. And the woman keeps a- having to ask him to keep his eyes on the road. And all of a sudden she yells out, Jordan. And uh, they skid to a stop behind a dark pickup truck stopped in the middle of the road. They get out to investigate the truck, and like I said, it's dark, can't see anything. No one appears to be around. They get back in the car. The man notices his keys are missing. That's not good. (laughs) Yeah. Then all of a sudden, we see a man with a gun at the car door, and as the young man turns around, he is shot. Yeah, we see that off-camera
1: flash of light and the gunshot, and we know... That uh, once again our cold open has ended in, uh, in tragedy uh, it's cold and, and, yeah <laughs> indeed I did like the fact in this scene that the, the, the music intensified because not a lot was going on in that search and, but the, yeah. they, they had the, the music to like go yeah the actors didn't really do it for us in this scene so let's <laughs> just put, put in this music to heighten the tension there and, and my only disappointment was that you had this pickup truck with hay on it and not once did Jordan look and go hey <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean that would have been fun for us. I don't know how appropriate it would have been for the mood of the scene, but well, I would was, have enjoyed it. He was it. a little buzzed.
1: He was a little happy. I mean, you know, yeah. show a little personality. I mean, you could have worked. Clock's ticking,
0: <laughs> Jordan. <Yeah. laughs> yes, for Jordan, it's it's pretty much over. Uh, the next scene starts. It's our friends Reed and Morgan. I I, I love this pairing when it's Reed and Morgan. I'm discovering, uh, and they're at the BAU office, walking through a hallway, and Morgan is asking. AJ, he's asking him what happened with him and JJ at the Redskins game. One! Uh, One one episode! (laughs) Ah, 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 (laughs) One episode. Uh, For those of you who missed last week, I have a prediction that this would be brought up one time and one time only. So if it happens again, uh, I have failed on my prediction. And it's good to get him out of the way quickly, I would say.
1: We're so far so good. And... uh, I do like Reed's response to that. Shh,
0: shh, top secret. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I'm hoping they never bring it up again, just so that my prediction will hold. Oh,
1: absolutely. And may I just say, it's a little weird that that Morgan asked Reed what happened on the date. He says, shh, can't tell you top secret. And we don't see JJ at all this episode.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was disappointed. No JJ, no Garcia this episode. I think this is what we
1: call an early script. Before they were cast.
0: <laughs> Probably. that makes a, That's a good point. Anyway, a woman agent comes by and she kind of flirts a little bit with Morgan. And they're passing a few other women in the hallway who give Morgan what I call the giggly, smiley flirt where they look and, <laughs> and talk about him. Reed says, gee, it must be tough being you, you, you Greek god. You don't even do anything. And these women are throwing themselves at you. And Morgan indicates that the work relationships are strictly off limits. He's got a code of survival. Uh, that code is never mess with a woman who carries a gun.
1: Yeah, or, or with one who's a dead ringer for Anita Hill, because <laughs> you, you don't want to go down that road.
0: <laughs> oh, you know, I didn't make that connection. But, uh, yeah. Just saying. <laughs> Actually, now I want to see her in another episode. In a very brief shot. Before it went to the next scene, you do see Greenway walking past very force- forcefully, and she kind of pushes uh, Reed out of her way as she's walking
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> So we follow, we follow uh, Elle, and she's actually going to talk to Hotch, who's on the phone with his wife. Shout out to Meredith Monroe. And he's telling her to get a little rest. It seems the doctors are worried about Haley's blood sugar levels and preeclampsia. And Hotch is, not, is worried that she's not going to last the six weeks she's confined to her bed.
1: I like, to, I like that they give us a little update on, on Haley since we haven't seen her since the pilot. And, uh, right. and, and it gives us a little bit of a timetable now. Six weeks. So, you know, right, yeah. hey, okay, cool.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, and I'm sure that that's going to come up in the future. Nope, we never see
1: her again. Spoiler. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding.
0: (laughs) Uh, Anyway, at this point, Hotch goes into Hotch mode. He reveals there's a document on the screen regarding the kidnapping of one Trish Davenport. I guess our crime is a kidnapping, not to mention that somebody got shot. Yeah, well,
1: we heard one shot. So, I mean, at least that tracks that there wasn't a second shot.
0: So now we know why. So the team looks at a ransom note that says they have until eight o'clock that evening. So that means they have less than nine hours to get to Connecticut where the case happened. And uh, they have to work up the victimology on Trish Davenport uh, and prepare her father for the ransom drop. Gideon asks how they know the letter is real. Apparently it was written in Trish's handwriting and it was dictated to her. And then they found saline on the paper which indicated she was crying.
1: Uh, yeah, well, yeah. I, I mean, it's very understandable. She's been kidnapped, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but, I mean, it's a it's a nice way to provide some DNA, too. I mean, it works. It works.
0: Morgan uh, notes the kidnapper never says I. The letter is all you will do this. You will do that. He Seems to be, R.N. Sub seems to be distancing himself from this crime. Also, there is no mention not to not call the police, which is usually the standard go-to in a ransom note. And Hotch says, so he's expecting us to get involved? To which Gideon says, if he's expecting us, let's not disappoint him. Yeah! <laughs> oh, wait, wrong show. <laughs> <laughs> and credits. Criminal Minds, 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 minds Criminal Minds, Criminal Minds, Criminal Minds. It's Criminal Minds. <laughs> We cut to the jet jet shot. Yeah, jet shot. Super and jet. uh we get the beginning quote for our episode, which is Euripides said when a good man is hurt, all who would be called good must suffer with him. Yeah, uh
1: well, you know, I think it, it means we're about to potentially see uh some blowback on on the father there, you know? It's like, you know, uh he's Probably the good guy in this. And we're going to see everybody uh, in this situation potentially get, uh, uh, have a bad day. Let's put it that way.
0: <laughs> you had a bad day. So the, the uh, typical jet chatter starts up and we learn the father of the kidnapped girl's name is Evan Davenport. He's a U.S. attorney and executive assistant for the Southern District of New York. Uh, He's been assigned U.S. Marshals three times over the past 10 years due to death threats. They have round-the-clock protection, but uh, Trish Davenport declined that protection once she turned 18. Reed asks, why kill the boyfriend? And Morgan says, if I wanted to kidnap someone, I have to take out whoever is with them. They also mention that uh, Trish has a sister named Cheryl, and it turns out that they're identical twins. Reed holds up a picture of him so we can do our zoom cut trickery and transport ourselves to the Davenport house. A travel by
1: photo is just the
0: happiest way to cut across
1: uh, scenes (laughs) on this show. And they do not disappoint you for one of your favorite edits.
0: (laughs) Yes. Although it seemed for some reason, it seemed a little subtler this time. Uh,
1: yeah, this time this time they zoomed into the photo and zoomed out of the photo, as opposed to zooming into the photo and having someone like uh, Terry Gilliam film just move into shot. <laughs> right. So yeah, right. It, it, yeah, you're right. It was a little bit uh, lighter hand on this, but still, it's the it's the criminal minds <laughs> travel by photo technique, Ask for it by name,
0: trademark. So Gideon and Hutch are talking with the dad, Evan, and he's confirming that everybody on his staff has already been vetted and polygraphed and everybody's okay, and they all have alibis for the night of the kidnapping. The dad is understandably upset. He just wants to know that his girl is okay. And Gideon, of all people, goes to Dr. Reed and (laughs) says for comfort here and says, Dr. Reed, what do the statistics tell us? And Reed is actually cool at this point. He says, you know, if you follow the instructions and give him the money, your daughter will be returned. I was worried that might go south, but Reed did fine. Yeah, I mean, you know what? But he knows that Reed's going to give
1: him the the straight facts and the facts are in his favor. So he really doesn't have anything to worry about because if the facts weren't in his favor, he would not have asked Reed.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Good point. Uh, We see a a rando FBI agent, and he's confirming that the house is bug free. Uh, Evan asks Gideon for his theories on the kidnapper, and Gideon says that he's probably targeting Evan based on the fact that his note started every line with the word you. Gideon says he's angry at you. He probably feels like you owe him that everything he owns he doesn't deserve. Hotch says they believe that the unsub is working alone
1: indeed and uh this scene starts to kick in with the dissolve tricks for no reason whatsoever i really thought this time that we were watching an episode of hill house and like there was some <laughs> ghosts in the background appearing <laughs> like there really was no point for this it's like gideon in a room they dissolve and dissolve back
0: like what <laughs> yeah I actually didn't even include it in my notes. It was so unnecessary that I was just like, "Yeah." But that's why I wanted to point it out, because Good,
1: yeah. budget, budget people. Like, There was no point for this.
0: <laughs> I think they still had a little money left over from the bird CGI last, last week, so ah! <laughs> they had to spend it on something.
1: Yeah, fair enough, fair enough.
0: <laughs> so cut to the next scene, and we meet Trisha's twin, uh, Cheryl, and she's lying in the middle of the road at the crime scene, basically. Uh, as Morgan and Elle arrive at the scene, Morgan asks an agent what this girl is doing. It turns out Cheryl is trying to get a feel for what happened to her sister. And Morgan's like, by laying on the ground? The Agent says the girl spent her teenage years perfecting, ditching her bodyguards. And they're just happy that she's in their line of sight.
1: Yeah, I th- this is a show I wish I could have seen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The young Davenports. (laughs) They got away from us again.
0: (laughs) They walk up to the girl, AJ and Morgan's all Cheryl Davenport, and she shushes him. So not all the ladies love Morgan, (laughs) apparently. She's like, uh, just a minute. I'm lying here for a reason. I'm not crazy. Gets up and says, dragged her from the car. This is where she fell. Trish is a fighter. She wouldn't have gone quietly, not even with a gun pointed at her. And Elle notes that she's right because there's nail marks on the car seat that shows that Trish did put up a fight. And then there's some talk about twins being able to sense when something is wrong with the other twin. And Cheryl says she feels that her sister is still alive.
1: Yeah, but at least she she says, "Look, I know there's no science. Uh, you know, I believe in science. I know there's no real basis for it. But you know what? We've been very close. This has always been the case. You know, it's not like you stab her with a, with a knife and I go, oh, 'Ow, she's been stabbed,' right? Like that, is it? Like, right. I, I. But I feel that she's still alive. So, like, okay, cool. You know, I, I, don't don't look at me like I'm crazy. Yeah,
0: yeah. I go for that back to the house, and Evan, the dad, is saying that the twins aren't exactly identical, that they're mirror twins. And some of Trisha's Trisha's organs that should be on the right side are on the left. But the doctors say that's not a life-threatening thing. And uh Reed helpfully says, Situs inversus. He got on WebMD. And <laughs> yeah. Gideon notes that both the girls had self-defense training as uh Evan is agreeing and explaining this. He notices that Reed is reading this book he has really fast. I, don't, I didn't get, catch exactly what the book was. It but was a mirror Reed twin was,
1: book. It was all about mirror twins. It was pictures of side by side in utero, uh, you know, embryo type and fetuses and he's doing that Evelyn yeah. Wood thing he does.
0: Yeah, and, and, and Evan interrupts himself in the middle of whatever he was saying to say, excuse me, can you actually read that fast? And uh, Reed says, you know, our conscious minds can process 16 bits of information per second. Our unconscious minds, however, can process 11 million. And There's a beat. Yes, I can actually read this fast. <laughs>
1: Reed is learning.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I like the whole thing of him like really answering the question and then just answering the question that was directly asked rather than what information he knows. They've done this before.
1: I mean, you know, you would think if JJ had asked him the question, he'd immediately have just said yes, <laughs> based off of last week. Although, we don't know what happened at the football game, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, I wonder if that's going to come up ever again. Our dad, Evan, says whoever took, took Trish wants him to, if, if he wants him to blow cases or suppress evidence or stand down, he's not, he's not going to be doing that. Gideon wants to know why he thinks it, it may be someone he prosecuted. And Evan says, well, I'm not a millionaire. What else could it be? Gideon says, well, in our experience, every case is different. Thanks for being very ambiguous. <laughs> yes, <exactly. laughs> well, I haven't
1: finished this script yet, so I'm not quite sure what the writer intends, but I'm sure it'll be wonderful and new. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Elle uh, and, and Cheryl, they're watching Morgan do his walk in the shoes thing. And uh, Cheryl asks what he's doing, and Elle explains that he's role-playing, getting a feel for the killer through his behavior. And I love the very pointed way that Cheryl says, gee, that doesn't sound very scientific at all, does it? Yeah, good, good for Cheryl, yeah. <laughs> Check out the uh, balls on Cheryl. <laughs> <laughs> so Morgan is speaking to himself, doing his thing that he does. Okay, she's rarely without the boyfriend. I know in order to get her, I got to take him out. He was collateral damage. Or was he a shot to the face that was personal? Kill the boyfriend, get him out of the way so I can get her alone.
1: I just like the fact that we have the uh, flashbacks to the cold open so that we know for sure that Morgan is absolutely 100% right in everything
0: he's saying. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) How fortunate for us.
0: (laughs) Good thing. So lucky. Back at the Davenport home. I got to say, if I ever forget in this episode to say where it took place, something takes place. It's pretty much <laughs> always yeah. the home. They barely <laughs> leave the house at all this episode, which is practically a bottle episode. Yeah. Uh, so back at the home, uh, Reed and Gideon are explaining the phone call setup and how they'll be able to mute the call if necessary so that they can speak, you know, without the unsub hearing them. And there's a local FBI agent there uh, who says They'll be able to trace the call from back at the field office. And He ensures Davenport, hey, don't worry. You're in great hands with uh, Gideon.
1: And quite frankly, the only reason that line is in there is so that we don't have to go, hey, why isn't Garcia tracing this call? <laughs> yeah, It's a great way to write around. It's like, hey, you know, there's another field office here. We don't we don't need Garcia to do this. They've got it covered. So at least they, they explain that. Otherwise, I'd be like, why isn't Garcia tracing it? They hate her job from last week just because she messed up once? Come on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Give a girl a break. We go to another room where Elle is asking Morgan if he thinks Cheryl is a whack job (laughs) because she claims she can feel her sister's anxiety. Morgan says, hey, I never said whack job. And Reed walks up and says, actually, there may be a physiological basis for this uh, twin thing. Morgan's all, don't ask, don't ask, but it's too late. And Reed starts scientifically gobbledygooking an explanation for uh, what the twins are feeling, how the twins are feeling each other. And Morgan says, well, do you believe that? And Reed says, no, he's just saying it's possible. He doesn't even, he doesn't know everything, even if Morgan thinks he does.
1: (laughs) Uh, There's a great, there's a great series of lines here where they
0: I never, I never said that. (laughs) And then, uh. Reed says, is like, every day since I met you, you've said that. Al says, you said it this morning at breakfast. And Hotch, who was just walking by, is like, yeah, you said, he said that yesterday when he beat you at cards. I think what's
1: great about that is, it is it's a joke for us, but Hotch has no humor in his voice whatsoever. It's just a matter of fact statement. Right. Like, yeah, that's right. You said it this morning when you were at the cards.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I miss pilot episode Hotch. Uh, but no, this
1: is a great, you know, with all the darkness on the show. When they are interacting with each other, we have these moments of levity, and I really this is this is what I like about the show. The show works when it's just, they can have we can have fun with this, even though we know. And the thing is, when you see a scene like this, you know the next scene is
0: not going to go well. <laughs> right. It's a it's a it's a warning it's to set you up. Yeah. Anyway, so the reason Hodge did come there is to tell them they have like a minute before the call that they all need to be there. They gather in the living room around, uh, Evan Davenport as he sits by the phone looking nervous. And, uh, Gideon tells him to keep his voice even and calm, agree with everything that the, uh, unsub says. The kidnapper is a minute or two late with the call, but, uh, the phone rings. Gideon tells him to try to keep talking to reveal anything about Trish or himself. And they pick up on the call and, I would have loved at this point if the call was just like Aunt Sally or somebody, (laughs) you know, calling for some totally random reason. We just had our
1: levity. We can't have two scenes of levity in a row. Come on, man. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, so we get so Evan. Yeah, we get a call come in and it's just like, "Hello, Sydney."
0: (laughs) I have the same note, but uh, yes, he sounded like the. It was Scream, the guy from Scream. So it's a little little, little voice modulation
1: so that we don't know who it is. But uh, again, just very proper and straightforward. And I want to talk to her.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I don't want to talk to you, Mr. Davenport. I want to talk to Cheryl. So at this point, after a little break, uh, we come back. Gideon mutes the call and Davenport asks what the unsub is doing. Morgan answers what most of the offenders we try to catch do. they trying to establish dominance. Uh, Hotch says they can't put Cheryl on, and Cheryl is like, why not? I want to help. I want to talk to him. Morgan says Cheryl doesn't have the authority that Davenport holds. He shouldn't want to talk to her, and Ella's like, I think she should. The unsub is like, uh, guys? <laughs> <laughs> I said, put Cheryl on the horn now, you know? Uh, Gideon's like, no, but L repeats that they should do it. He wants to speak to her. And the more he speaks, the more he's going to reveal. Uh, Morgan does agree with that. And Cheryl says he has my sister. Gideon is still like, no. And he motions L over to the phone. Yeah, this'll work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I I immediately, uh, I did not like that strategy, but, uh, they go for it. L picks up the phone and says, this is Cheryl. And immediately the unsub is like, you idiots, I know Cheryl's voice. Get off the phone, phony Cheryl. Come on, Cheryl? Hey, fake Cheryl. <laughs> put Peppa on the phone, salt. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't know why, but he gives them 60 seconds, which is kind of funny to me. But if they don't put Cheryl on, they'll never hear from him or- from him or Trish again. So he starts to count down the 60 seconds. And this noise is in the background the whole time while Gideon has Elle prep Cheryl. So uh, Elle tells her this guy is arrogant, let him know that he's in control. Let him guide the conversation. Use your sister's name. Talk about her. Let him get to know her through you. Don't veer off topic. Agree with him. Tell him that you understand him. And as hard as it sounds, empathize with him. Empathize. Mm -hmm. Let him know that he didn't mean to hurt Trish. We know that he didn't mean to hurt Trish or go- for things to go this far and that he can fix it all by just letting Trish go. And if she doesn't know what to say, don't worry. Elle will tell her. The unsub at this point has gotten to the end of his countdown. <laughs> and three, two, one. I thought she took a little beat too long. Oh, my long, goodness. after he said That's one, it," You
1: know, I'm going to kill her in 60 seconds. Oh, my God. Get me, on the phone, get me on the phone. Get me on the phone. Get me on the phone. Okay. Get her on the phone. Get her on the phone. Three, two, One. One. Two,
0: three. (laughs) Hello. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. uh, exactly. The uh, unsub says, hello, Cheryl. And this is where I wrote, for the moment, his voice reminds me of the screen killer. So we had the same. There you go. uh, go. Anyway, anyway, they start talking. And when Cheryl uh, asks about Trish, the unsub says, I can tell you have a lot of empathy, (laughs) Cheryl with heavy emphasis on the word empathy i mean you at, care about at this point others. at this
1: point you heard that you picked up on that clearly i mean you know something's up here right yeah you don't pick yeah. anything up on this at all at this point
0: and especially l miss super detective should have i just said empathy i just said it that. was such a strange word to or, say too which is why it stood out and he did not just say it once <laughs> He said it many times. Cheryl says, yeah, she does have uh, empathy. And it sounds like he understands. He says, you mean that I empathize? <laughs> I do very much. I empathize. I
1: empathize with you, I Cheryl. I am empathizing my empathizing. I'm an empathize <laughs> empathizing.
0: <laughs> Reed is typing up notes at this point, And he's like, why empathy? Well, I
1: know why empathy, because I said empathy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. So the unsub, meanwhile, starts saying, Good. Tell me what you want, Cheryl. Tell me all about yourself. What's your favorite color? What's your
1: favorite scary movie? <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, Elle mutes the phone, says, Don't answer that. Stay with Trish. She says, If she tells him, let her talk to her sister.
1: She says, If I tell you the answer, if I tell you what my favorite
0: color yes. is,
1: will you let Trish get on the phone? <laughs>
0: So Cheryl says if she tells him what her favorite color is, will he let her talk to her sister? He kind of laughs and says, maybe, maybe not. Cheryl immediately says she likes blue. And he says, how ordinary. Do you like chocolate, Cheryl? And it's really beginning to sound like a very awkward blind <laughs> date of some kind.
1: So you you like uh, books? <laughs> <laughs> You watch, you watch TV,
0: <laughs> Cheryl? So she's. she says, uh, yeah, I do like chocolate. And he says, I do as well.
1: <laughs> good, good. By the way,
0: <laughs> I want to know who I'm looking at. Oh, wait, no, sorry. <laughs> Cheryl says, please, please let me talk to my sister. All I want to do is hear her voice. And uh, there's a brief pause and you hear a creaking noise. And then you hear Trish Weekly say, Cher? Cheryl, is that you? Cheryl says it's her. Trish starts to say something. I can't, but she doesn't finish. Cheryl asks her where she is. What do you see? Trish answers that she sees the moon. There's more creaking and Cheryl is calling for Trish, but uh, the unsub is back and he's saying, have 500,000 ready. Unsub says 500,000. It's what I'm owed. The Davenport's will wait by the phone. You will receive a call with precise instructions in fifteen minutes. Cheryl is upset by this. The call is over. Cheryl gets up and runs out of the room.
1: I, I, yes. I, I, just, I just, I'm just very happy because you know how Gideon has been all series long thus far. I'm just surprised that when he said she sees the moon, she's in a spaceship <laughs> orbiting the Earth. <laughs> He's told us what we need to. Yeah, you know, he always gets to this outside the box crazy, crazy thought. I'm glad that they was just like, all right, let, let, let's let's think about this for a second.
0: There was no outrageous leap from the the moon clue. <laughs> Gideon does ask Reed if if the uh, if they were able to get that call traced, but they weren't. Unsub so was probably using an untraceable disposable disposable phone. Justice
1: for Garcia. <laughs>
0: yes. Had it been Garcia, she probably would have been on it somehow. She probably would have. It wouldn't have hey, What mattered.
1: do you mean? Yeah, it was longer than 15 seconds. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, so they, everybody starts discussing the case. Trish, they said, sounded like she was sedated and out of it. Maybe they she was seeing just the light, not really the moon. Morgan says if he's keeping her drugged, it might indicate that the up is not very strong and needs to keep her drugged so that he can keep her under domination. And, and Elle says maybe he's just keeping quiet Gideon asks to know if they know everything about Davenport's staff not says yeah they have all the detailed reports but they may want to revisit those background reports Morgan points out the fact that Trish was not blindfolded so that means she's seen his face which means probably as soon as he gets the money going
1: to kill yeah them. i mean that's that's one of those things that i do like is that they didn't over explain it and it's kind of obvious, but, it, yeah, and when you get to, like, season 12, you're going to, you know, you and I watching this are going to know, oh, gee, he better, he, unsub, let the victim see that not a good sign is not going to end well. But it's still early on, so you do need to explain that, and they didn't over-explain it. So, well done. Yeah. There'll be an over-explanation later, because <laughs> there's always one. <laughs> but thank you. That Good. Boom. Good job, show.
0: After a pause, we cut back to Gideon and Reed looking at some documents. Gideon points out, I'm, I'm guessing this is, this is a transcript of the call. Um, Gideon points out, he said, owed 500000 And Reed said the whole demand sounded like it was scripted when he was reading it to them. But the rest of the conversation didn't sound that way. He seemed most relaxed when he was talking to Cheryl, like maybe he already knew her. They have six minutes before the call, so...
1: Now, wait a second. Six minutes before the call. That means that he gave them 15. Right. They have spent nine (laughs) minutes now (laughs) talking amongst themselves, and only now, after nine minutes has gone by, Gideon goes goes to Evan and goes, by the way, how quickly do you think you can get this money? Yeah. (laughs) That's a very good point. That wasn't the first question? (laughs) They frustrate me so much sometimes.
0: Yeah, they, they their sense of timing on some of the issues leaves a little bit to be desired a little bit to be desired. Anyway, Cheryl is in the kitchen and she's pouring herself a glass of wine also, which L comes and takes away. And Cheryl, very common sense like says, Hey, I know I'm I shouldn't be drinking, but considering, you know, the circumstances, can't you just let this one slide? Which so I thought was the a little funny but l is it was very normal that was that was very human yeah. it was very human exchange yeah no but l explains no he's calling back we need you to be at your best we can't have you be sloppy drunk yeah.
1: this was sloppy drunk i would have let the girl have a
0: couple sips, right. to be honest
1: yeah. <laughs> i mean don't don't down you know she starts to chug knock it out her hand right
0: <laughs> cheryl doesn't understand how l can stomach this job l says it's that the that the men she hunts down are cowards who target weaker members of society like women and children and there's nothing she'd rather do more than put these bastards away and Cheryl says I wish you could get some of them before they snatch someone
1: I mean I, I get it she's upset but I mean even that's a little bit unreasonable but I mean this this is this is why I don't really like Elle as a character cuz she does so many good things but yet at the same time she's so angry I mean, she's so angry, her last name's probably not Greenway. It's probably Andre. You know, Miss Andre. She hates men. She hates men. <laughs> uh, I mean, hate the unsubs. Hate the evil men, sure. But it's just like, oh, oh it's men, it's men, it's men. Look, you're going to get some female unsubs on
0: this show. It's
1: not always men. I mean, granted, men suck, but so slow your
0: roll a little bit. So far, it's been all, every description has been white guy. Um, of a certain age, you know, it's and
1: fair, fair. I'm just saying, yeah. just, just, just let's focus. Let's focus on the case.
0: <laughs> Although, no, we did have the, the, our fire starter. I forgot
1: about. Yes. Well, yes, 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 Sugar, <laughs> sugar, sugar. sugar.
0: <laughs> so we cut back to the phone, which is now ringing and, uh, they pick it up. The unsubs explains his rules. Everything is going to be done by Cheryl. She'll gather all the money. Only she will touch the money. She will make the drop. If she's wired, if they use a lookalike, Trish dies. Cheryl will get in the car. No one is to be in the car with her. No one is to follow her. No air surveillance, no car surveillance. Nothing of that kind will be tolerated. He will give Cheryl directions over his cell phone as she drives. She must make the drop at exactly 3 a.m. She has to follow each instruction to the letter, and uh, they're showing Cheryl do all these things as the unsub is describing.
1: Yeah, prepping the bag, prepping the money, yeah. and all that stuff. So, and it, it, fine, whatever. You know, it's all good. <laughs> I mean, is he is he is he really going to know if somebody else packs the bag? Probably not. You know, just. Don't put any ink packs in there to explode in my face. That's what you really need to say. But he wants to control the situation, and he
0: wants Cheryl to have to do. Yes, it's you have profiled it exactly right. Uh, this show is teaching us all to be better profilers There you go. Uh, so there, uh, as uh, Hotch is saying, they can't let her go alone. And Evan says, "Yeah, but if he sees anybody," Hotch is like. Look, one unmarked car, tinted windows. I find that kind of funny. If you're looking for someone at three in the morning, isn't even one additional marked car or unmarked car going to be noticed with the tinted windows?
1: Yeah, that's that's very fair. Although I will say – He's right to be nervous, certainly. It's a tough situation. One one daughter kidnapped, the other daughter going to do the money drop. Obviously, he you know, his nerves make sense. But at least, you know, it's like, look, she, she's going to be in a car with GPS. We, we don't have to follow that closely behind her so we can give some space, give her like even a five-minute head start. Uh, you know, it, it's all good. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I think at least they should probably even leave five minutes before her. You know, and just pull on down the road so that if the, if they're being watched, no one sees them pull out immediately after. Right behind so, her, yeah. Right, but you know, one car, the is right. You, you gotta follow
0: her. Yeah. Uh, so, after they explained that the GPS, which I kind of felt like they were explaining it like it was this sort of new thing, and I guess maybe in 2005, GPS wasn't quite as common as it is now, but... Yeah, but... You know, uh, at least, you know,
1: he didn't specify no GPS. I mean, it's easy to forget that or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, I guess you could have brought your own Garmin into the car.
0: <laughs> so uh, Morgan calls and talks talks to uh, Reed because Morgan figures the first thing they're going to try to do is switch the cars. Reed gets an address from the GPS where it appears that they're going to. And it turns out that it's a rental car lot. Cut to Morgan and Hotch who do indeed arrive already in the parking, they're already staked out in the parking lot as Cheryl pulls up in her car. Excellent anticipation. Yeah. Morgan figures out that one of the cars probably already has keys in the ignition and is ready to go with a disposable phone already in it so that she can switch both cars and phones. It's about five minutes before the drop-off time. Morgan says "Ah, he's probably going to have her drive around for an hour to make sure she's not followed and, and then do the drop. And then he kind of gives a little sigh, and Hotch asks him, what's the matter? Morgan says, something's not right. about." this. And I wonder if we should be keeping a scorecard for this show, for characters saying, <laughs> something not right about this. Oh, I'm getting a bad <laughs> feeling about this, Chewie. <laughs> Morgan says, what if he was listening to them or watching them? Hotch reminds him that the local crew did do a bug sweep, but Morgan says, heard the call. It was way too simple. Hodge says, okay, okay, Morgan. All right, uh, I'll, I'll, go with, I'll humor you on this. Uh, if you were the unsub, what would you have done differently? Morgan has his list of what he would have done differently. <laughs> oh, he knows. <laughs> he says, uh, first of all, I would not have I would have said don't involve the police or the media in my note. I would have said for the $500,000, no consecutive serial numbers on the bills, no marked bills, no new bills. No tracking devices in the money bag. No explosive dyes in the money bag. No tracking devices in the car. And so, Hotch asks him why he didn't say any of this. Morgan shakes his head in frustration. <coughs> and we cut to Cheryl, who is walking in the parking lot, phone to her ear, looking pensive. Morgan gets some kind of revelation or something, and says to Hotch, "This was never about the money." They realize it's not a, a ransom drop. It's a second kidnapping.
1: Oh, thank you, Morgan, for getting that uh, just in the nick of time. I mean, you could have come up with the with the assessment. I figured it out, Hutch. The kidnapper's stupid.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but you no, know, the, the, they figured out just in time. And so they bust out of the car and run towards Cheryl. Tell her to get down. There's another car in the parking lot that looked like it was about to approach... Cheryl, but the boys are able to scare it off with a little bit of gunfire, and the guy takes off.
1: (laughs) Just a little bit of
0: gunfire in your life can't scare all your problems away. (laughs) Yes, indeed. We cut back to the house. Cheryl is all right. She's there. The phone rings, and it's our unsub. Says, well, gee, that was fun. A little running around. Get our pulses racing. Are you there, Cheryl? And Morgan stops her from answering. The unsub says... Tell me you didn't feel a slight tingle, thrill run up your spine. But those cunning and clever FBI agents deduced my plan just in time. They figured it out. If they wouldn't, I would have had you both. The whole set, the matching pair. All right, he wasn't talking like <laughs> that, but. <laughs> the vibe I and felt. I would have gotten
1: away with it, too, if it wasn't for those meddling FBI agents. And then Reed, too.
0: And then Reed, too. Uh Cheryl asks why he's doing this. The unsub is like, because you asked me to. Your glances, the way you talk, those little gestures, the way you do the things you do. Uh,
1: <laughs> the way you style your hair. <laughs> <do, do. laughs> uh,
0: Morgan mutes the sound on the call and Cheryl asks what he's doing. And Morgan's like, you can't talk to this man. The end sub is saying, you asked for this. You asked for it, Cheryl. Cheryl hits the mute button to Morgan's dismay, and she shouts, what do you want? What do you want? He says, what do I want? I want you. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. But I promise someday we'll be together. Someday. I'm getting a lot of Motown.
1: (laughs) Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. But soon for the rest of our lives. (laughs) Now get on that (laughs) plane.
0: Uh, so, uh, Vinny hangs up, our unsub hangs up at this point.
1: Oh, it's a, just a great way to go at a commercial break. I mean, they just, they just nailed this one. Uh, I want you. Boom, boom, boom. Time to regroup. Let's sell some Charmin.
0: <laughs> so, uh, when we come back from our break, it's a little bit l- later, and uh, Gideon is telling the Davenports that they can't let Cheryl speak to him any further. Cheryl's like, why not? Reed says this feeds into his psychosis. He Then asks if Trish was involved in any serious relationships before the kidnapping and Davenport says with the boy that was killed that we seem to have forgotten all about, but yeah, yes, she was with him for about two years. And at this point, Cheryl looks at her dad and says, well, Trish didn't want me to tell you that they were getting engaged.
1: I mean, this is, no reason for him to tell until it happens to be honest <laughs> i mean he it was two years i think he knew we were serious so it's not like it was a surprise boyfriend but uh yeah no support went up for jordan
0: <laughs> yeah poor jordan uh Gideon says this could have been uh the unsub's stressor and he looks very
1: dismissive when he says that to him. <laughs> well this could have been the stressor <laughs> yeah thanks for telling me like like as as, as if he really really needed that I mean, yeah, we're looking for a profile and everything, but like, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't be mad at the Davenports for not saying this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Davenport wants to know what the heck this means. What are they dealing with? And Reed says, uh, and I had to write this one down De Clermbos syndrome, otherwise known as erotomania. It's the belief that someone, usually of a higher social status, but not necessarily a celebrity is in love with you. They believe the objects of their affection are subtly professing their love th- for them through their looks, gestures, and at this point, uh, Gideon chimes in with glances. He said, "You asked me with your glances."
1: Yeah, and this is this is our over-explainer <laughs> of yeah. the episode. Is like, yeah, we was at mania. They believe that they're, they're, uh, we heard the phone call. They believe there's glances and looks. Yeah, glances and looks and gestures and looks and glances and looks and (laughs) lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. It's like,
0: okay, we get it. Can we move on, please? Yeah, they chose to knock us over the head with that one. The unsub truly believes Trish and Cheryl are in love with him. Again, they say they don't tell him with their voices, but rather with their behaviors. Their glances, their looks. We know, we know. Yes. (laughs) He's obsessed with them, which I wrote is all he really needed to say in the first place. (laughs) He's Uh, obsessed
1: with them. And once again, I can deliver the profile now, Kandaj. He's someone they know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So now let's cut, cut over to Hotch, who is talking with Morgan. And he's saying that the crimes of obsession are your specialty, Morgan. So it's your lead. What do you want to do? Morgan thinks they should uh, recheck everyone on Davenport's staff against the profile of a stalker. Stalkers are pretty diverse. But Morgan points out that there's an overlap in their profiles. For example, they're all narcissistic. They all have an inflated sense of self-worth. A history of bad relationships. Hotch asks, what do we know so far? Morgan says he's probably white, obviously male. I don't know why they even put that in there, but all right, I guess you have I mean, to.
1: Especially because you don't, you shouldn't have to profile when you actually know. I mean, right. I know you should want to say it, but like we've been. I mean, I suppose tactically, you know, because of the voice modulator, I suppose it could have been a woman, but it's a yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's got some sophisticated speech patterns. To which Gideon chimes in, they're sophisticated, but they're bizarre. He rarely uses contractions. Uh, it's not your, it's you are. And by the way, during this conversation, Gideon appears to be having some kind of struggle uh, cutting uh, an orange, I think it was, or a persimmon, some some citrus fruit. Yeah, no,
1: I actually, I, th- I thought this was a really nice bit of something that may have been uh, just impromptu on the spot. Because I, it, just, it just strikes me as something that made a particular do. He's cutting this orange, and yeah, he's struggling with it. But when he finally gets the orange cut, as they're having the conversation, he hands everybody on the team an orange slice. I think that's so adorable that, like, you know, they're, they're in it together. Maybe it's just because they've had a long day on set. Obviously, one location, you know, who knows how long the shoot was. But, like, I thought that was great that, like, I did one for you, Hotch, no, and one for Al, and one for Reed. And, and, you know, at the very end, like, oh, and here you go, Morgan. And, like, just everyone gets their orange slice. I love it. Do
0: you think this was a, a maybe a patinkin' improv uh, that he, Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. I, and, and everyone just went with it. And I, I honestly think that when you see this on a te- television show, that. The actors are working well together because if they all if they all go with it and it makes the final cut, you know that, that there's something special going on here. That, I, I, I really enjoyed that. I'm glad you noticed it because it's it's not something you might necessarily see, but it, it was really cool. Yeah.
0: Well, now I feel smarter. Thanks, AJ. Uh,
1: <laughs> I, it's what I wanted you to think that you <laughs> were smarter, but you really your patterns. No, <laughs> oh, it means nothing.
0: What about my glances? Um, Morgan says this guy is pretentious. He wants to sound smarter than he actually is. And whatever position of authority or level success that this guy has, he's had to struggle for it. Hotch also says that we have to face the possibility at this point, and Elle finishes the sentence for him, that Trish may already be dead. Morgan says so far this guy has called every play so far. He thinks that uh, perhaps they should make him feel some pressure. So Gideon says, there's only one way to do that. Uh, (laughs) Which which is to be Gideon. Uh, We cut back to the living room and the phone is ringing. And they let it ring for a long time, AJ.
1: Oh, I kept track. I kept track and counted.
0: (laughs) How many rings on the first one, uh, AJ?
1: Nine Gideon rings.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Gideon answers the phone, but then immediately hangs it up. This is I think this is where Davenport starts to uh lose it a little bit. Slowly
1: <laughs> goes insane.
0: Yes. Uh he's like, what are you doing? The phone rings again. After three times. Okay. <laughs> after three rings, Gideon picks it up and says, Hello. And this time the unstubbed sub starts to talk. He says, Tell me that there's a technical issue with the line, because you did not actually just hug and then Gideon hangs up on him again at this point. <laughs> Gideon is at the best at making people mad, I think. Um, yep. Uh, so uh, Davenport is like, what the hell are you doing? Uh, the phone starts ringing again. The da- Seven times. <laughs> <laughs> Seven times. And the Davenports are are panicking at the point, at this point, wondering what's going on. And, and Gideon is like asking them basically to shush up. And after, uh, after these seven rings, apparently, uh, Gideon picks up the phone again, says Davenport residence, <laughs> uh, which I just love it. And the unsub is, is like, are you out of your freaking mind? I will kill her. What do you and Gideon hangs up the phone.
1: <laughs> and at this point, I got to say the the tears and just sheer apoplectic behavior of, of both Cheryl and Mr. Davenport is so understandable. These these yeah. everyone, everyone in this scene just acted the hell out of it. It's great. <laughs> Definitely.
0: <laughs> yeah, they, Davenport is going nuts. Gideon tells him to get a hold of himself.
1: Quiet, quiet. Can you please, sh- can yeah. quiet them down, please? Sh- shut them up? Eight rings. Eight
0: rings. <laughs> <laughs> Eight rings. So Gideon <laughs> picks up the phone again. Our unsub is furious. She is dead. You hang up on me again and I rip her open. And Gideon says, I am sorry. You must have the wrong number and hangs up again. <laughs> oh, oh my. fantastic. This might be my favorite scene in the episode. <laughs> oh, it's
1: fantastic. It's great. And at this point, at this point, both Cheryl and Mr. Davenport have been reduced to just whimpering sobs. They are puddles <laughs> on the floor. I don't know if he's ever going to save Trish at this point, but Gideon has all utterly destroyed the Davenport's.
0: Yeah. Um, so this time, I don't know how many rings was it. This time, did we? Did we know. Well, well, at this point,
1: at this point, at this point, uh, Mr. Davenport says, "You killed her." Yeah, you killed <laughs> my you just, daughter. Like, I'm saving her. Have a little faith. And he gets this riest of smiles on his face. like, oh, now, now we're going to get going. Now we're going to
0: have fun. Five more rings. Uh, so this is when he picks it up and the unsub is like, you know what? Put Cheryl on the phone. Is there someone else there I could speak to? Can I speak to the manager? Uh, Gideon says, no, you're finished talking to Cheryl. And then this is where the unsub starts to lose it a little bit because he starts giving up some info. He says, uh, "He listen to that tone of authority. It's just like your published work, Agent Gideon. Dum, dum, dum. Fascinating <laughs> to hear the same arrogant quality in your own voice. You're a bit of a pe- pe- pedant, 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 pedant. pedant, 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 That's not one of my vocabulary words, AJ. Okay. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's, it's good. You call him Jason. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> no one calls him Jason.
0: And a bit didactic. Uh, Gideon says in a mocking voice, that's a very interesting conclusion. Uh, (laughs) You sound intelligent and you certainly sound educated. Well, we both know that's not true.
1: Oh, Gideon. Uh, By the way, I know why you stutter. Oh, wait, sorry. Wrong episode. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: The unsub is like, oh, I know about all of y'all. There's the ambition, Agent Hotchner. Hotchner. You want to be director of the FBI someday, Agent Hodgner? Would you step on Jason Gideon to get there? I think you would. And then he says to Hotch, Hotch, or about Hotch, even your sick pregnant wife can't get you to leave your post. Uh, Jason Gideon, an expert on the criminal psyche, yet unable to diagnose the autistic leanings of the very insecure Dr. Reed a cut, quick shot,
1: quick shot of Dr. Reed going
0: hey <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he says maybe he can make some money counting cards in Las Vegas this is very cutting he's digging in
1: he's digging in and uh i mean i don't know if we've established this yet but uh we we will learn that that is actually where where reed is from reed is from las vegas oh. so he must have some biographical information
0: definitely uh the lovely L was promoted too soon, he says. She doesn't have what it takes to make it on the BAU Boys Club. You're no threat to me. You're no threat to anyone. Damn. And this, this is the harshest, maybe the harshest one, at least made me perk up a little bit, he says. And token Derek Morgan <laughs> wants to t- be taken seriously, but he's just a pumped up side of beef. At least, and
1: Morgan hears this, and he just chuckles to himself. Like, what? Can you believe (laughs) it? Yeah. That's a... (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep.
0: This says, I know who you are, I know how you think, and I know what to do next. Do you? Gideon has kind of a slight smile on his face this whole time. A a knowing smirk, if you will. Davenport wants to know, what the hell was that? (laughs) (laughs) Why did he say that he knows what to do next? Is he going to hurt my daughter? And Gideon shakes his head and says he was just grandstanding. Davenport is like, you can't possibly know that. And Gideon says, Mr. Davenport, I have learned more in the last five minutes than in the last 24 hours.
1: Yeah, but he said it in his Gideon voice. I have learned more in the
0: last five minutes than in the past 24 hours. And Davenport doesn't understand why he's so focused on Gideon now. And Morgan says it's because we're interfering in his relationship with the girls. Davenport says he knows all about you. And Hutch says, yes, apparently Morgan says he profiled us. Mr. Davenport and uh, and Cheryl asks why he would do that. Elle says to show them how smart he is. So Reed says, oftentimes the best profilers are the unsubs themselves. They're the ones who are able to walk into an arcade full of children and point pinpoint the boy or girl that can be let out quietly. Which- That's season eight. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers. L says, but he made a mistake because he gave us something he didn't expect. Davenport says, which is, Gideon says, told us how to find
1: commercial break
0: That's a great that's again kudos
1: to mr jeff davis for this episode he he had hit his rhythm with these characters i feel like all the characters are acting exactly how they're supposed to We, we know their personalities and you know we just had an unsub basically call them out for their all their personality flaws which is just really really fun to see and it's only episode five but i i think nailed it Entirely, I just wish JJ and Garcia were part of this fun, but they weren't part of the original plan, so I get it.
0: <laughs> so uh, we come back from our little break, and it's it's probably a moment or two later, and Davenport is basically still going off on the team. Uh, you said you could find this guy. Everybody's standing around here, like looking around, doing nothing.
1: I mean, look—we've established that if they have 15 minutes, they're going to wait nine minutes doing nothing before they start to kick into the next mode. You know, it's just like okay, hey, we we got we probably got 45 minutes, so uh, we'll see in about 23. <laughs>
0: uh, so Gideon starts trying to to calm him down, but Davenport at this point is going off. He's telling him not to patronize him, and 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 uh, the local agent who we saw briefly before. Uh, tries to calm him down he says evan 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 yeah evan (laughs) uh everybody's doing the best they can come on just take a break pulls him away after they go elsewhere morgan says
1: let's go upstate (laughs) oh wait they're already in
0: connecticut never mind (laughs) After they go elsewhere, Morgan says for the suspects that to know that much about them, he has to be one of them.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was basically re- he is basically reading from FBI profile, uh, you know, bios or some sort of classified doc- documents, uh, a dossier, if you will, on the team. So, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Hutch says uh, he's going to have Garcia run a search on the New Haven FBI field office. The Guy they're looking for knows the house. He knows the family. Reed says, "Hey, there's 700 agents in New Haven and, and another 70 in satellite offices. Seems like a lot. It it does seem like a lot.
1: Although you know that could be the focus of you know of, of just Connecticut. You know, centralized there. You know, in New Haven. But right. I, if Reed has already looked up that they have 700 agents, why don't Reed just do it? <laughs> I mean, I'm glad they I mentioned mean, Garcia. Don't get yeah. me wrong, because at least like remember she's still a character. Quick, write that line in. And I think that's probably what what happened there is that originally in the script." Reed just did started to do that research, but they wanted to make sure that we knew that there was a Garcia out there. So they, it, they didn't quite fix it. They could fix it on the fly, and it didn't quite
0: work. Ella says while they're narrowing down this list that they can't have Cheryl stay there. It's not safe. If he's one of them, he has access to weapons, he, he has access to the place, and you can bet he has some kind of strategy in place. Um, Morgan asks, who can we trust? Hotch says, no one. We need to get Cheryl to a safe house. We cut to Morgan and Cheryl leaving the house, uh, and only one other car is with them. It escorts them away. They get to the safe house and report back that they're there. Uh, the agent, the local agent that we've seen before a few times now, says that they'll walk the perimeter. And I assume, check that out. I guess that's what that means. Yeah. The you, know,
1: you, you guys are inside. We'll, we'll take the outside, and then we'll swap
0: later. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we cut back to Davenport, who seems to have calmed down a bit at this point. And uh, he apologizes to Gideon, saying he's sorry about before. And Gideon's like, hey, it's your daughter. You don't have to apologize apologize for anything.
1: Humanity from Gideon. I'm surprised he didn't just go, well, you're stupid. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Davenport wants a little assurance that the safe house is okay. And Gideon's like, of course, we have agents inside and
1: outside. We we didn't call yeah. it the danger house. We call it the safe house. <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> I would have liked that line. <laughs> uh, Davenport is all, so I guess now all we do is just sit back and wait. And then uh, we cut to the safe house where Elle is on the phone and she's talking with Reed saying, Again, that the, in case we missed it before, they did a bug sweep of the house right before they arrived. And Reed says, yeah, I remember. Elle says, but the unsub seems to know all about us. Then she asks Reed if he knows what non-local interaction.
1: Indeed. I think she'll probably explain it to us in a moment.
0: <laughs> yes. Because, no,
1: no, I don't know what that is.
0: <laughs> yes. I, this is something they can explain to us for a little bit, but uh, before we we can do that, get to that, uh, we cut to Morgan who is in the kitchen, and uh, he starts to he's looking around. He then he decides to start to wash his face. Yeah, well, you know, it's been a
1: rough day. Um, you know that that side of beef line burned a little. <laughs> he, just, <he's, laughs> he was stung. <laughs> yeah, he just needs to to splash it off a little bit there.
0: Uh, so we cut back. Now to Reed, who asks Elle what she's getting at. Elle says, well, how can he be holding Trish prisoner and yet still know exactly what we're talking about? Reed is like, I know what you're saying. It seems like he knows what's going on here the moment that it happens. It's almost as if when you said be show some
1: empathy, he said the word empathy. <laughs> we probably could have solved this quite a while ago. We're stupid. <laughs> yeah.
0: Elle says, you know what? There has to be some kind of listening device. And again, Reed mentions at this point one more time that they swept the room when they got there. And Al says, yeah, but then after that, they, they brought in all of their own equipment.
1: No, this, this is the one thing I hate about this is that they have just added two and two and gotten four. It's there. They have the answer. Who told us they swept for bugs? That's the only. That's all they need to do at this point. And they figured it all out. And they don't figure it all out yet.
0: <laughs> we then cut to Cheryl, who's in a room at the safe house, and there's a knock on the door. She says, "Come in." And into the room walks our local agent. Yeah, pretty much the only bad guy. Like, we,
1: we we saw everyone who showed up at the at the at the safe house. It was Elle. It was Morgan. It was Cheryl and this dude. Yeah. So if we figured out that the unsub is one of us, guess what? Is this dude.
0: <laughs> By the way, this dude is one of those dudes we've seen him in a lot of things before. His, I believe his name is Matt Lesher. I'm trying to remember what I've seen him in before. I didn't I am DB him, but I know I've seen that Well, guy. don't look it up. Okay. I won't. And um he uh but he's been in a lot of stuff and uh, and when I see he uh, someone like that play what seems to be a random small role, I I get a little bit of a, oh, I wonder if he's somebody.
1: Yeah, I think it depends how much time has passed in between the small role and, you know, the, the breakthrough role. I know he's been on, I believe he's been on, like, the the Flash. He's, like, in the DC universe. He's got a recurring role as the anti-Flash.
0: That's what I, that's what I recognize him yeah. from, now so, that yeah, you bring it up. I couldn't think of what it yeah, was, yeah, but that that's definitely... So, anyway... This agent comes into the room, and uh, he looks at Cheryl, and he, he sighs, and he's like, hey, it's good to finally get you alone. <laughs> uh, uh,
1: I'm glad they let us in two seconds uh, <laughs> before the, the, the VAU is going to figure it out. But we now know that Cheryl yeah. in trouble. Yeah. But hey, it's okay, Cheryl- because Morgan's there.
0: Oh, yes. But we cut back to Gideon first at the house, uh, who's going up to Davenport and saying, Agent Shire called you by your first name. Uh, You know him that well? And we're like, who knows Agent Shire? You haven't used his name yet. (laughs) Yes. You know him that well? Davenport says, oh, he works out of the New York field office. He knows his father. They've met socially on occasion. Gideon asks, If he's been there before, and Davenport confirms that he's been there a few times, so that prompts Gideon, I guess, to rush to the phone. Then we see Morgan's phone on the on the floor ringing, but unfortunately, he's too busy being knocked out on the kitchen floor.
1: Yeah, he's he's been knocked out, and you know, thank goodness Reed finally found that bug inside the phone that they were using to to talk to him the whole time. Oh, geez, it's always the last place you look because you stop looking. Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
0: So we cut back to Agent Shire and uh, Cheryl, and he's asking her if it ever annoys her. People want to line you and Patricia up together to examine your differences. Uh, And he flicks open a switchblade that he's got in his hand, which is, of course, enough to finally set off Cheryl's spidey senses (laughs) that something isn't right. Shire says, it seems like it would get old real fast, but. I don't need to do that. I've known you both for so long. Loved you for so long. Oh, dear. This guy's a psycho. <laughs> yes, he's a psycho. He starts walking toward Cheryl, who's freaking out at this point. And she's like, please don't do this. But when we then look at it from her viewpoint, and we can see that L is actually coming up behind Agent Shire. Uh, he doesn't realize it. And he's still saying his, his rap to, to Cheryl. He's like, This is what it should have been all along, the three of us together. At this point, Elle shouts at him, put the knife down. Shire turns around with his hands up. He says, you don't understand. You don't understand my relationship with these girls. Elle repeats the order for him to put the knife down. He looks like he's going to comply, but it's the old rope-a-dope. He lunges at Elle. He gets a good punch in at her, um, but she still manages to... uh, Do her little moves and take him down.
1: Yeah, she drops the gun for a second. You think, "Uh uh-oh, no, no, no. But she does. She recovers. She wins. And I really wish at this point she would have said, yeah, who's not a threat to you now? (laughs) Yeah. But she didn't. Instead, she strangely puts her foot right on his groin area and threatens to stomp. (laughs)
0: Yes, very strangely. Uh, she demands to know where Trish is <laughs> at this point.
1: Um, as we hear the sirens come in, so the the, the cavalry is here. Huzzah, huzzah, huzzah. Huzzah,
0: huzzah, huzzah. So we uh, cut to, we see Cap- Davenport and Cheryl, and they're fine, and they are watching as Reed and Gideon uh, escort some paramedics in who have Trish, who is thankfully alive.
1: Phew. And then we have, I mean, as many of the uh, graphics they do on this show work perfectly, the split screen of the identical twins being played by the same actress in the ambulance is
0: awful. <laughs> yeah, uh, agreed. Um, could have spent a little more money on that, but uh, it is what it is.
1: It is what it is, Indeed.
0: Reed does ask Gideon how Elle got Shire to reveal the location, and Gideon's like, I imagine she must have found some creative way to persuade him, uh, which what we know what it is. Yeah, but, uh, uh, I'm going to kick you in the jewels. <laughs> yeah. Um, Reed does try to follow up, but Gideon says, maybe you shouldn't ask so many questions. Let's just uh, enjoy it the was, It
1: was a very Mandy Patinkin delivery of that. <laughs> Can you just enjoy this? <laughs> Don't ask questions. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna have these scripts
0: they're gonna be some loopholes and plot holes just, just we want <laughs> <laughs> now we get our end quote uh, and again it's from our boy euripides uh getting invoices over euripides said when love is in excess it brings a man no honor nor worthiness yeah. So basically,
1: Agent Shire was a nutbag. <laughs> it's basically yes. what he's saying here. I think we the all. Ripping, he said, <laughs> "Yeah, <laughs> Agent Shire is a nutbag." <laughs> and then instead of instead of the jet home, we just kind of dissolve. We're already there. We're back at BEU headquarters, uh, and uh, Morgan uh, is trying to recover from. Uh, apparently, we found out what happened to Morgan. He got uh, tasered.
0: <laughs> yes, uh, we. Don't find that out without seeing uh, his gorgeous six-pack abs as he's trying to re-bandage. Kintan, <laughs> he's a pumped-up side of me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. L is there, and she walks in. She asks if uh, Morgan's all right. She explains the situation. He took a taser hit. He's like, yeah, I know I did, so what? <laughs> she says, no one expects you to finish the Davenport file tonight. And he's like, I guess it's still a little fresh in my mind. Nothing like 50,000 volts in your back to keep your motor running, right? He leans back and he's he's a little contemplative at this point. he's like, I'm lucky that bastard didn't gut me while I was in, unconscious. Elle says he, he wasn't interested in him. In him. And uh, Morgan says, well, Shire didn't see you as a peer or a threat. That was his mistake. Yeah.
1: Happy, 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 happy. Joy, joy, joy
0: agrees with him, and uh, she feels bad for Morgan having to do all that work, so offers to take half the file, which he agrees to, and they get to work and show.
1: Yeah, there was a like, actually a little nice little uh, subtle again, just a nice acting moment there as Morgan gives her Half the work, and she hands back a good portion of it back to him as if, like, yeah, that's that's not half, dude. <laughs> nice try, <laughs> it's very, very yeah. cool little subtle stuff there. I, I love, I love the little behind you know, the, the between the dialogue kind of stuff there. Very well done. Uh,
0: so overall, how did you feel about this episode? I,
1: I, I thought this was really well written. I, I, like I said, I think it really captured the show very well. Uh, it, it moved very quickly considering it was you know, a lot of phone ringing, but the tension and everything, like ratcheted ratchet it up and just, you know, you, yes, I mean, how who could the unsub have possibly been other than who it ends up being? But even so, he disappeared for such a good chunk of the of the episode that you forget. Once he comes back and escorts Mr. Davenport away, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, that guy. It must be that guy. Um, and we figured out before the, the BAU does, but there's no way uh, that they could have figured it out at that point that it was him so I, yeah I was cool with it I, th- I thought it made a lot of sense and well acted and it was just a fun episode uh, you know with amid all the you know when I say fun episode in this podcast it's amid all the heinousness you, you know we're having fun with this and try to make light of it and be funny with it right. we, we get it the serious stuff the serious stuff we know
0: <laughs> yeah I feel like uh, if that if that was anything about this episode my boy Jordan really didn't get much love beyond the first you you know first scene uh and it was pretty much glossed over the murder aspect uh and we're mostly concerned with the kidnapping of course she was a victim at the time and they're trying to save right. her so that's understandable and i i get it but i i do feel that he was just sort of an afterthought but uh other than that i i agree pretty much with your assessment uh felt this was a good episode and i and i wasn't let down i was hoping if we get a Jeff Davis episode, it's going to be one that sort of maybe moves the characterizations a little bit forward yeah, and we'll we'll def- learn a little bit more. Definitely something
1: to keep track of. It's not something I really paid attention to before. So yeah, definitely.
0: So now it's time to uh, talk about our BAU-rometer, and ask ourselves the question that we ask every week, AJ. Uh, let me know if you thought, I think I know where you're going to go with this one. But let me know if you thought this was a win
1: for the BAU. I mean, how could it not be? We had uh, a kidnapped uh, girl. At the end of the episode, we have a kidnapped girl rescued. We had a second uh, uh, almost assaulted girl. I know you might seem like it was one because she looked exactly like the first victim. <laughs> but she's a second victim. Um, two for two in the saves there. 2 for 2 in the saves and one unsub caught. I like when the unsub is caught better than when the unsub is killed. Sometimes it's unavoidable, but uh uh yeah. This is an easy victory. Easy win for the team. No other conclusion Excellent. can be made.
0: All right. I agree 100%. So, what's our score at this point? Uh
1: Hey, we're we're we're, we're good to challenge for those uh Those Miami Dolphins, (laughs) we're undefeated 4-0 with a no decision, which is not a loss. We do. But uh, I was going to call it – give it a tie maybe for 4-0 and 1.
0: Not bad. Not bad. I like that. Right. Uh, And I'm assuming it's just going to continue to win week after week. All we do is win,
1: win, win no matter what, 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 said the girl who was uh, the trilogy-obsessed girl from the college (laughs) –
0: <laughs> oh boy uh aj uh another fun little thing we like to do on here on felonious pundits is have a little bit of a trivia quiz
1: Yeah, a little trivia game for you as you know i love doing my trivia host a trivia podcast beat my guest uh and i like to bring some Criminal Minds episode-related questions for you, and you mentioned that one of the actors in this episode was one of those that guys, a guy by the name of Matt Lesher, who played Shire. Uh, your question, sir. Matt Lesher and Elizabeth Harnois, who portrayed the twins, reunite on an episode of what CBS show in the year 2014?
0: I might know this one because all of a sudden I'm just remembering someplace else that I've seen Matt Lesher. So I'm going to give a guess, although I I could be completely wrong. But I'm going to guess CBS show, The Year Seems Right. I'm going to guess The Good Wife.
1: Oh, I am sorry. It is not The Good Wife. Uh, Definitely a CBS show, but no... Uh Elizabeth Harnois becomes a regular for the last five seasons of CSI. Ah. Yes, and in the episode Angle of Attack, Matt Lesher comes on and uh guests uh and they tangle once more. So uh don't watch that show, so oh. I don't know how it turns out, but uh since Elizabeth Harnois makes it all the way to the final episode, I know she at least survives. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I I did watch CSI, but uh, I can't say I stuck with it for the entire run. You you didn't didn't make it to
1: dancing, huh? (laughs) Uh,
0: No, I did not. Uh...
1: I understand. I understand. All right, question two, question two. Uh, Obviously, this episode all about identical twins. How could I not ask an identical twins question? Which of the following people does not have an identical twin? Which one does not have an identical twin? Is it Linda Hamilton? Is it John Hader? Is it Rami Malek? Or is it Carrie Underwood? Which one of these four famous folk does not have an identical twin?
0: Hmm. Well, the only one I think I've heard of, I think I've heard of Linda Hamilton having an identical twin. So I'm going to wipe her off of my list of suspects. The other ones, I have no idea. AJ, I'm going to give a guess that uh, Rami Malik does not have.
1: Oh, I'm sorry, sir. Rami, Mr. Robot Rami Malik and Napoleon Dynamite John Hader both have identical twins. Carrie Underwood does have two sisters, but not identical twins. No. Carrie Underwood is the answer there. Yeah, Little Hamilton's uh, identical twin, uh, James Cameron, used her for some mirror shots in the Terminator movies. where So she could look in the mirror, and actually they could do some funky stuff with the fact that there's actually another person behind the mirror there. So that was yeah. awesome.
0: Yeah, I felt like I heard a, a little tidbit
1: about that indeed. before. Indeed, indeed. All right, our final trivia question. Uh, no predictions this week. We're, we're all cool, cool on that. We don't have to do that every week, only if the mood strikes. Question three, of course, as always, our preview for next week's episode. I will give you the name of the episode and four possible descriptions about what we're going to see next week. Let's see if you can guess which one we're going to do. Criminal Minds Season 1, Episode 6. LDSK. LDSK. Is it A? A coded message left at a crime scene puzzles Reed to the point he starts hallucinating. Is it B, a former member of the Mormons starts killing church elders, earning the name the Latter-day Saints Killer, LDSK? Is it C, a Mexican wrestler by the name of LDSK goes on a rampage in Tijuana killing American tourists. (laughs) Or is it D, a sniper shoots a bunch of innocent people in a park, but they all survive.
0: Uh, I really loved option three because it's kind of where I was going in my head where, oh, it's not, it's going to be something Spanish, LDSK. Uh, But uh, I don't think that's the answer, AJ. Also, don't think uh, it's option one, because that would be more LSDK (laughs) uh, if he's going to be caused to hallucinate. So that leaves me between uh, two options, and I think I'm going to go for option four, the sniper killer shooting at innocent people, but none of them die. Is that what That what you just said? Yeah. Alright.
1: If that's what you want to go with, uh I mean, I for one would much rather see Mormons, uh church elders, and Latter-day Saints Killer, but I made that up. Uh it is indeed a sniper. Uh ah! indeed, good job, sniper.
0: <laughs> I get excited when I get one right. Absolutely. So we'll
1: we'll find out what L D S K is all about next week. Well done. One out of three. Uh, put you up at 6 out of 15, not quite 500, but, uh, you know, it, it's all good. It's all good. I'm,
0: I'm, I'm doing better than I thought I would, to be honest with you, AJ. You, you may not be aware, but you have a bit of a reputation as a bit of a hard trivia question Well, writer. you
1: know, I had a stressor with a cruciverbalist when I was young. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. So that's it. It's, that's it, folks. It's been a great show. Another fun show. Our fifth show. Uh, and uh, we're having a blast. Thank you so much for sticking with us. We hope you had a great time. Um, if you have, please be sure to subscribe to rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to spread the word and let your friends know about us if you can. Thank you so much. You can also write to us at our uh, email address pundits at gmail.com. Uh, and for AJ Mess, this is Kentad Svenskart saying goodbye, and keep profiling.
1: Wheels up! A man walks into a tailor shop in Athens and hands him a pair of torn pants. Euripides? asks the tailor. Yes, says the man. Eumendides. Old joke.